Hey everyone, I'm Christina. Thanks for listening. Um, sorry if I sound a little rough. It's the middle of the night. I had a lot going on this week and, you know, just gotta get this in when I can get this in. So, um, oh, I didn't like how that sounded. I love doing the podcast. Just sometimes I have to record these a little bit late at night, you know, like at uh, 12, 15 a.m. So <laughs> uh, I apologize for the, my raspy voice. Um, I'm so excited about this episode because it's the first and what I hope to be many of a series called The Broke Girl Society, The Other Side. And it's very much like its name. We're talking about the other side of our addiction and those affected by our addiction. Uh, I am joined by Kelly. She is going to be my co-host on this series. We're hoping to drop one episode a month talking to affected others about their own personal journey and recovery. Um, I think it's this is a really important conversation to have because as much as people aren't talking about gambling addiction in females, wow, when you go to look for people talking about, you know, affected others and the help that they need and their journeys and the resources available to them, it's it's actually quite shocking. Um, I know there's programs like Al-Anon, you know, and Gammonon and you know, those types of things, but there really just aren't people talking about their experiences in that aspect. So I'm thankful Kelly has decided to team up and we can start having this conversation. No matter where we're at in our journey, um, when I originally started the Broke Girl Society, my thoughts were just, you know, to share the side of this journey for me uh, as part of my recovery um, and to talk about gambling addiction in women. But as my recovery has expanded and, and I know that there's probably back, you know, when I was thinking about the broke girl society, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to that. Some people like the name, some people don't, some people associate with being broken and some people don't. Some people say, Oh, I was never broke. Um, well, I was, I was broke in every sense of the word. And I know through my journey, I've come across so many others who have been broke in every sense of the word, whether it was from addiction or abuse or just life. And so it's just, it's just one more step to kind of broaden, you know, what the Broke Girl Society is about and what we want to talk about, what we want to bring to the attention of those who are struggling. So I think that's enough rambling. Uh, thank you to Gamban for sponsoring this episode. This episode, we have the, the lovely women from the Northeast chapter of the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Uh, if you watch the Bet Free Life with Brian and myself, we had these ladies on a couple weeks ago. And I mean, wow, like the passion that they have to help people is phenomenal. Like it's just, it's so great when you meet women like them who just dedicate their lives to, to helping people get help. And they talk about so many great resources in this episode for affected others. And it's just, it's yeah, it's just a really great conversation. And you really have to focus on the beginning because it's an amazing story. We were all crying. And yeah, so that's, that's this episode. And um, yeah, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll just start it. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Hi, welcome to the Broke Girl Society podcast. I'm Christina, a recovering compulsive gambler. And I'm Kelly, a recovering affected other. 
And we are co-hosting a new series called The Broke Girl Society, The Other Side, where we talk to those on the other side of addiction, the affected others, and more specifically, women affected others. So for the first episode, we had the ladies from the Northeast Problem Gambling Resource Center, part of the New York Council on Problem Gambling, joining us to have a chat about the resources available for loved ones affected by gambling harm and just, just some general chit chat there. So let's introduce our guests. We have Amy, Brandy, and Robin with us today. Hi, ladies. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having us. Hello. So happy to be here. So I would actually like to begin, I have a little surprise snippet in here. Amy, um, if you could actually believe it, about nine months ago, I spoke with you. Um, You were actually the one that began my journey for me. I called the National Council on Problem Gambling and they connected me with you. And um, you put me in touch with a phenomenal human being, my therapist. And when I tell you that he changed my life, he saved me in every aspect. And um, he's actually, because of his work and because of how much awe I've been of him, I am actually going back to school to become a licensed mental health therapist. So I have you to thank because you started that story for me. So thank you. Kelly, you're going to make me cry. Oh, I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> yes. So I, mean, I cannot thank you enough, all of you, for what you, each of you do. And it has been so impactful in my life and my husband's life. My husband actually goes to the same therapist as me. That's how good this man does because he's able to differentiate between the two of us. And um, it has been so amazing for us. And Oh, I'm so happy to hear that, Kelly. That's, that's awesome. Those are the stories we, we love to hear. And what gets us up and going in the morning is, you know, when we hear that people are are getting well, and, you know, they're able to, you know, live happy, healthy lives. So that's wonderful. Congratulations to you and your husband. And thank you. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. Happy to do it. This is why we do it. That's yes. yeah. This is exactly why we do it. You just almost made me tear up too. Oh, I, t- I totally teared up. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I knew whenever I talked to her the other day, she's like, you know, I think Amy is the one that I, I talked to, I originally called and I'm like, well, let's tell her, you know? And so it was, it what was a surprise. Oh God, that made my day. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to protect your, you know, your confidentiality too. So we don't, you know, I, I would like to say we could have connected the dots, but honestly, we don't, you know, it's as much as we always say, it's as much or as little as you want to share with us. So for people that are hesitant to call in because they're afraid of HIPAA or confidentiality, see, like we keep it protected. So we didn't even connect all of those, those dots. And, but it means so much to us because really we, we love that type of feedback. And yeah, when someone that we've helped shares that with us, that means like that means the world. It really does. And it just motivates us to do more and more every day. That's good. And yeah. that's yeah. able to give other people hope too, you know? So that's, yes. that's incredible. So thank you for sharing. Yes. And thank you. And thank you so much again for all that you do. Cause it's, it was huge. And honestly, when I first called and talked to you, you know, I had no idea what to expect. I was so broken back then when I think back to it. And, um, you know, it's, that was my first experience with dealing with seeking help and recovery. And I just remember back that day and just how pleasant the conversation went. I didn't feel judged. I mean, Amy, you were so kind to me. Um, and 
you know, just getting down all my information, seeking out what I needed. And like I said, you could not have put me with a more perfect therapist. He's amazing. And yes. So I will forever be thankful for that. So thank you. Thank you, ladies, for everything you do. You're very welcome. And just like, you know, Robin said, that's, you know, that that makes us so incredibly happy. And that's what drives our work is, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely hearing those stories. So thank you for sharing that. That really is wonderful to hear. So thank you. You're welcome. Kelly, we joke and we call ourselves matchmakers, but I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It is true. <laughs> perfect match. I love it. Yeah. We really strive to make a really good match. That's what I mean. Yes. We listen. We really try to listen on that call so we can make a life-changing match like that. So that's just yes. so awesome. Matchmaking ads, best Amy. <laughs> now you got to sing the song. Oh, you do. Uh, no. <laughs> People are going to listen matchmaker, to this. Matchmaker, matchmaker, no. make me a match. <laughs> that's as much as I know. <laughs> Let me ask you guys something. Um, I'm kind of going off the the thing that I typed up, but this brought up an interesting point. So you work with a therapist, right? You kind of get to know, do you get to know the therapist personalities? And then when somebody calls, is that how you do do it? We do. Robin and I, you know, have, um, and not just us, but really this entire program that uh, we have across the state, we, we put the clinicians through a rigorous process, which includes training and, um, you know, just a lot of gathering of information, references. But then we, um, it's been challenging in the pandemic years, but we really strive to meet the clinician in person exactly where they're holding um, treatment. So we want to see, you know, we want to see the office space, but we spend a good majority of, you know, that, that, uh, one-on-one meeting with the clinician to really get to know their personality because those things matter. We want to know, you know, not just this clinician's specialties, but, you know, what they're really like and what their, um, you know, what their style is because that can really help us make a a good match. And it sounds like, you know, with with Kelly, um, we were successful there. So we, we hope that that's the case for everybody that calls in that we can make a really good match for someone because, you know, we, we do have clinicians that are so different. We have some that are very to the point and, you know, a very black and white, and that's sort of how, how their nature is. And then we have other clinicians that, you know, are very, um, you know, I like a softer, like this just like warm, caring approach, which is great for others. So, you know, it's really important for Robin and I to to get a feel for the clinicians, what their style is, what their personality is, because that can that can make a huge difference when you feel like you're not connecting with your therapist. Um, it's it's hard to move forward in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So true. Now, um, Kelly, I don't know how much you want to go into this. Do you want to like what is the process um, when you call? And, and you, you say, I know, I know what the process when I called, but how is it different for an affected other when they call and say, Hey, my partner or my parent or, or sibling is struggling with this. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. Is there, is there a process with that? I mean, really what happened with me was, um, I called, well, like I said, I, I actually called the national number on problem gambling. They hooked me up with 
um, the North, the Northeastern ladies. Um, but basically, you know, they, I think you both kind of did the same thing. You took down all my information. You asked me what was going on. Um, but again, I, I don't know. I think it was just the way in which the conversation was going. It just felt to me like a very warm conversation. You know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just asking questions and just hooking you up with something else. Like, it, you know, Amy followed up with me after just to make sure that everything was going okay. How's the therapist and everything, which felt great. And it felt like I just had a very high level of comfort in my conversation with her. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember all of the questions offhand that were asked, but, um, you know, I just remember having to kind of go through, you know, the fact that this was my, my husband, I just found out about it. I feel so lost. I think we kind of went into a little bit about what I was looking for in recovery and, um, you know, stuff like that. But, um, is that, is that typically the normal conversation that you ladies have? Definitely. Um, you know, we really try to meet the caller where they're at because we, we get a variety of phone calls um, and people are just at different places when they call in too. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, one example, I had a woman call in who was just so emotional and she didn't know what she was calling in for. You know, she didn't call in necessarily with, a, you know, a clear picture of, of what she was looking for. I think, you know, for her, it was like, I need help. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling. Um, you know, my, my family member is, you know, spending all our money and, you know, I'm just, I'm stuck and I don't know what I want. I don't know what to do. So Robin and I, you know, we really, again, we just try to meet people where they're at. So if someone calls in and, you know, it's very clear that they want counseling, you know, we, we go through that process and we talk to them about what that looks like on our end for counseling, that we can connect them with a problem gambling treatment specialist. If they don't have insurance, that's okay. We can help cover the cost of treatment. And we just let them know a little bit about our clinical network, the clinicians we work with, they're, they're professionals and they have received training to help um, treat problem gambling, but also to support family members and the importance of that. Um, so we can go into details about that. And we, we really just have to do a lot of active listening um, and just try to meet that person where they're at and help them with the needs that they're bringing up. I think we both kind of have a list of questions too. You know, we want to make sure people are are safe and they feel, you know, safe in their situation because domestic violence certainly can be an issue um, that uh, raises concerns with problem gambling. Um, so we just really have to do a lot of active listening and see where the person's at and what they're looking for. I would say for effective others, one of the things that comes up majority of the time for, for me when I answer a call is finances. That's almost always, you know, one of the big reasons someone's calling in for help um, for, for uh, themselves or concerns about their loved one. It, it's almost all the time it's, it's finances. So, you know, we have a great family toolkit that we can share with people. Um, we have, you know, different financial supports and resources we can connect people to if they're interested. And I'll, I'll stop talking so Robin can chime in because she's, I mean, she's amazing and she's helped so many family members 
in this program too. So I want to give her a chance to talk. Thank you. You're doing fabulous too. Uh, we, we really work really strong together. So uh, Brandy as well, but Amy and I, since we answer the phone, we, we bounce things back and forth to one another. So it's almost like, even though you connect with one of us, it's a behind the scenes team effort. Cause we just want to make sure that we didn't miss anything. Did we give them every single resource that we had out there? So we will just kind of bounce ideas off of each other. But I just wanted to add to what Amy said that I think the most interesting thing, because I'm an affected other as well. So I think when someone calls in as an affected other, they just don't realize how they don't. I think the number one thing is they're not sure where to start. And then when they hear all the all the resources that we do have, they're very surprised. I think they're always a bit taken aback, like, wow, there's this many things that are out there that can help someone with a gambling problem. Yes. And they're even more surprised when they hear that all those same services are available to them as well. So we encourage every family member to speak even maybe once with a counselor, because I think it's so important. And Kelly, in listening to your, your podcast episode, you said something that really resonated with me, which again, is such a common theme. It's that we want to understand, right? You want to understand what's going on with your affected other. So it's, or your loved one with the gambling problem, you know, what, what's the motivation there? Um, to understand the science of addiction, to learn boundaries, to learn how to communicate with them. But I think most importantly, it's to learn that we need to support ourselves too. You know, I, I know there's always a lot of just shame or maybe there's stigma involved or blame. Like, do we feel like we're at fault? Is it something I did? Like, it's just trying to understand the nature of addiction and how it manifests, where it comes from, um, because you want to be a support tier person and you want to be a support for yourself. You want to be a support for your extended family. If there's children involved or there's always other people involved, right? We always say addiction affects at least eight to 10 other people. So it's, how do you support that whole family system? It's really important. So I know a lot of family members, sometimes they, they just want their person to get into treatment as soon as possible. Like what, how can we do an intervention? And we always have to let people know, well, we don't do interventions, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, those aren't proven very effective. That's not quite where we want to go. You know, it, it's always got to be, we tell you all the resources and we encourage you to start treatment as the affected other, please let your loved one know these services are here for them, but they have to be the one that picks up the, the phone and gives us the call or texts in or emails and says that they're looking for help. So I think that's important. We just want family members to understand the stages of change that their loved one has to be there and has to be ready. But in the meantime, what can we do to support you, right? Like Kelly, you need support too. So how can we support you? So again, it's that speaking with a counselor, so important, connecting to Gammonon, the recovery community. Um, there's so many more options that are available. Christina, I share your podcast now all the time. Thank you so much. I think it's- We do, oh, it's, it's so, so great. Important. It's a great podcast and it's that woman's voice and the women, the woman's perspective. I mean, we have just as many women, our first two years, really, that we were um, open, we had just as many women calling in with a gambling problem as we did men, you know, and as you say all the time that that circle of women, that tribe, it's so important, because we could we do connect on different levels. So again, it's um, just letting affected others know all the resources, there's so many resources for affected others. And I think too, what's so interesting about what you just said, and, and Kelly is, is a very much an example of this is, is okay. I'm, I'm a gambler, right? I am I'm the recovering gambler. 
And I very much know that I had to be ready to take that step. But I think it's similar in the recovering affected other. They have to be ready to acknowledge the problem, take the step, even if even if they're blindsided by it, there's still this level yes. of accepting it, right? Oh, and, 100%. and taking that next step. And and if you have listened to Kelly's podcast episode, like you see that she really, you know, understood that that the next step was hers. And how much her recovery some is very similar to that of the uh, addicted. And it's very, very interesting the way that when she was talking about her recovery and the things that she was doing, I'm like, oh, that's very much like I, I did the same thing. I was in my group meetings. I was I have that support system. So Kelly, one thing I do want to ask you though, is she was talking about, about kind of the shame and the stigma. You know, we feel that as the gambling addict, we feel that shame and that stigma and all that. And especially as, as a woman trying to put her voice out there there's gotta, it's gotta be so much heavier for an affected other, the shame and stigma to talk about that. Is that, has that been a big struggle for you? Have you been able to kind of work through that? Um, yeah, at first, absolutely. You know, um, before all of this happened, you know, I was an open book. I was never ashamed of anything. I had no problem telling people about anything going on in my life. And then once this happened, I felt so deeply ashamed of it. Um, I didn't want to be perceived as the person that um, I didn't want to be perceived as a lot. I didn't want to be perceived as the blind wife. Like, how did you not see this? I didn't want to be perceived as the one that could have potentially been the one that caused this, Um, you know, and I just, I didn't want to come off as weak that, you know, well, she's staying, so she's weak or, um, why doesn't she just leave him? Or like, there was so many things that were going on in my head, um, that it took me a long time to actually work through, you know, it actually took me probably at least three to four months to tell my father about what was going on. Um, because I was, you know, I didn't want him to be overly protective over me and I wanted him to know that I really got things under control and, you know, everything's fine. Like I didn't want him to worry. And then even with my mom, who I'm really close with, it took me a lot of time to tell her about what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't tell any of my friends for a really long time. Um, I think the person I reached out to the most was my sister. And it was only because she was married to somebody that had her own addictions. So my sister kind of knew where I was coming from with that. Um, but other than that, I was just basically reaching out to other people in Gammonon and my therapist and stuff like that. I would only talk to people that were in the addiction with me because before all this happened, I would be that person that would say, if I heard of someone staying with somebody for any type of reason that I didn't agree with, I would say, I don't understand. How come you're not leaving them? How can you stay with them? Sure. Talk about being blindsided. Um, it made me realize, you know, especially with having two small children, I can't just up and leave. I don't have that, that freedom. And it's, it was more than that to me though, because like I said, my whole thing was, I want to understand this, you know, my husband being who he is, I know this is not him. This is not, I won't let this define who he is. You know, there's more to it than just that. So I really just wanted to understand all of it you know, and my ways of doing that was the more I talked about it, the more I tried to get other people's insight, the more it kind of helped me to understand it a little bit better. Um, so, um, sorry, I'm, I'm totally going off topic here, but yeah, talking about the stigma of all of it. Um, yes, I, I felt very deeply, but I also kind of felt like 
I felt protective over him as well because I did not want him to be seen as the addict. You know, he had struggled with his own past addictions. You know, before we met, he was a drug addict. He was into alcohol and things like that. And I thought that that was all kind of past him. So um, my family is, you know, I'm the youngest one of my family. So they're all very protective over me. So I did not want them attacking him. I did not want them to see him as being this person, like, you know, he's no good for her because look at what he did. And, you know, for a long time, I just felt like I also had to protect him as well. Um, it took some time to really get over all those feelings and just say, you know, it's just something, it's a part of us. It's not who we are. You know, I am not this poor me, this poor wife, you know, look what she went through. I never wanted to be seen as that, you know, but then it took a long time for me to understand, you know what, if people don't actually go through it themselves, a lot of times they're not going to understand and really they don't have to you know, like, that's fine. I was there for a very long time. And then until I wasn't, you know, so I think honestly, though, with dealing with the stigma, I wouldn't say mine was deeper than my husband's. I think that we're both on the same level of that. Yeah, that's an interesting point to kind of see where it's at there. Um, I just, I guess, doing my own recovery, I, I wasn't looking so much at the effective part of it and the stigma and the things that they faced until I met you and we, we started our conversations. And so I'm, I'm very thankful of that. Um, I'm going to let you go next. Um, so another question I had was actually for Robin. Have you, since this whole thing happened with um, legalizing sports betting, have you seen an uptick of calls over the last week or two? We, we, de- we definitely did in the first week. So following the first weekend of it being open. Yes. I think by Tuesday, I had already helped four people. So usually we help a few people every week, but it was two days in and we had already helped four. So I was, I was a bit nervous. I mean, we, we know from looking at data from surrounding States that, you know, it increases by like New Jersey, it was over 50%. Was it Australia? I think Brandy, where it was like a 300% jump or is that Pennsylvania? No, Pennsylvania, they saw like a 285% increase in calls to their helpline following the legalization of mobile sports betting. So yeah. yeah, so significant. So we know it's coming. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many promotions that are going on right now. And, you know, if you read all the newspaper articles that are coming out about it, which it's been awesome, because we've gotten some pretty equal representation there, which is all we ask for, right? We know these things are going to happen. Um, we know people can gamble responsibly. So we always say we're just here for that portion of the population that can't gamble responsibly. We want to keep them safe. So all as we've ever asked for our council is just, you know, let us have the opportunity to do some counter marketing, just make services easier to find, right? Make like, it'd be nice if the type weren't so tiny on a ticket that you can barely see it, just have it a little more obvious. So the people that do need to find the help can find it in a simple way. Um, so we've really used this first week to, I mean, I'll let Brandy speak on it coming up here real soon, but she has done so many interviews to get the word out about our services, because we know that we're going to see a, a speak in calls and we want to be able to support people. Um, Amy and I have worked really hard over the last month. We've increased our um, clinical network. So we've added new practitioners. Uh, so we're just trying to build up capacity to meet the need because we know people are going to be calling in and people that maybe are just starting out, you know, we're always concerned about the younger population. 
um, because they make it so flashy and it's on your phone now and it's so easy to do. You can do it 24 seven. You can do it from anywhere. No one knows what you're doing. Uh, those are such high risk factors for people to get into a problem quickly. So we're, we're ready, Kelly. We just, we're here to answer the phone and get people connected. For they sure. Have to be ready. <laughs> if it's going to be this easy for people to gamble, it should be this easy for people to get help if it starts mm-hmm. becoming a problem. Well, it's so funny because Steve and I were actually just having this conversation because we were saying um, when you log into FanDuel or I don't know, are we allowed to talk about? That's fine. Okay. Um, you know, he said that when he would be um, placing a bet on something or if he would be um, doing like fantasy or whatever, a thing would pop up on the screen that would say, I guess you can set limitations on how much you want to spend. So he said that there would be something that would pop up that would say, you've reached your limit. Do you want to continue? And it was as easy as that. You just say, okay. And then you just keep going. So we were saying, you know, how great would it be if they can have it where they can keep track of people's spending limits and people that are going way over the way over their mark what if somebody would contact them, you know, call them on the phone or like send them a text message. So it's personal and just say, Hey, listen, you know, we kind of noticed that you've been going over, you know, we just want to check in with you. How are you doing? You know, um, stuff like that, just to almost make people think a little bit more like, Oh, really? I went over that much. Okay. Maybe there's a problem. Maybe just in any way that somebody would be like, Oh, okay. I didn't realize this because at least with my husband, Steve, he was saying that, he never really saw this as money because it wasn't where he was like looking at it as though it was actual money going out. Like he would have a hard time buying himself, you know, a $20 pair of socks, but here he is spending all this money because he's not actually seeing it go out. So how great would it be if somebody can point out to them, listen, you know, we've noticed this and you know, if, if you need help or, you know, there's somebody there that help, can help you or there's resources, just something to make a person go, oh, okay. Because I feel like, especially with gambling, a lot of times, because it's so silent, sometimes the person that's gambling doesn't even realize that they have an addiction just yet until they're so far in. Yeah. You know, sometimes they would need somebody to kind of point it out to them. So I can confirm you know, that. Yeah. I can very much confirm that. I have 15 year gambling history. And it was the last, even up until the last few years, um, it was like, I knew it was a problem. I knew it was destroying my life, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect addict to it. And I've often said many a times the people that work the floors, uh, cause I was a brick and mortar gambler, the people that work the floors often see the addiction in us before we do, you know, because they're the ones that are paying us out, paying us out. And I only had one time a guy that, you know, it's like you recognize our faces and some of them are kind of on a first name basis. Uh, they know what you like to drink. They know how to keep you happy, but I had one guy pay me out one time and it was a, it was a fairly substantial jackpot, you know, a nice used car jackpot. And the guy was like, now you're going to leave with this. Right. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like there is an absolute, I didn't, I didn't leave with it. I didn't leave with a penny of it. And there's this absolute disconnect between myself and that money. Like it's like monopoly money or like, because the casino gave it to me, it's not real money. And, and I very much relate to the fact that just everyday expenditures, I I could, couldn't stand to spend money on like car maintenance. I bet you most gambling addicts out there can relate to that car maintenance. Who wants to spend money on brakes and tires when you could go gamble it 
and double it. And then, you know, I still have money left and then have money for maintenance. And it never works out like that ever works out like that. Um, yeah. So I, I relate to that. And I often wonder if somebody had stepped in and said, do you realize how much you've spent this month here? But then it just goes back on responsibility, right? Like it's all about responsible gaming, but who's responsible. And it's, it's that fine line of where the responsibility lies. And it's like, yes, I'm very much responsible for my own actions, but at the same time, when addiction takes over, there's a disconnect. That's the only way I can explain it. Like a complete disembodied disconnect. Well, it rewires your brain, Christina. I mean, it truly does. We've got brain imaging to show it. It rewires your brain. So yep. And that dopamine rush. So you're right. Um, and you're big with mobile wagering is that it's just, you were saying monopoly money, right? I mean, the fact that you don't even have to physically get up and go to the ATM to get more money out, the fact that it's linked into your bank accounts, you know, you can connect it to like a credit card. I mean, just think of that. It's, it's like, you're not seeing the money going out necessarily, you know, you have nothing to compare it to. It's just coming out of those accounts. So that's where it's, you know, a little higher risk, higher stakes. So we're, we're just concerned and want to protect people as well. And I have to um, say, going to those ATMs or going to the cage to get money would sometimes give me pause, you know, like, oh man, they just saw me 30 minutes ago. Like, seriously, like I would work that over my head and be like, or that security guard standing by the ATM has seen me go there three times tonight. Like, and so that would give me pause. So if you don't even have that on the online side, you know, you have nobody yeah. to, to give you that funny look or, you know, well, yep. What we just found out, so for New York State, the way they have it set up, so if someone has completed voluntary self-exclusion at a gaming facility, um, that will now exclude them from these mobile sports gambling apps as well. So they are excluded. Um, So, you know, we've got, we can always help callers. You know, there's a process for how you can exclude yourself. So let's say the, they've tried to do the responsible uh, gambling piece on the mobile sports app. They've put some time limits on, they put some money limits, but they keep going past those. Then it might be time, like I said, to call in and get some help because it would be okay. Well, what can we do to keep you safer? You know, um, we always say it's up to the person where they want to start with a counselor. Like they work that out with the counselor. They set their goals. Um, so the goal for some people might not always be to stop gambling and it's not up to us to say that that's their goal, right? It's what they work out with the counselor. Um, but again, it's just, we have those extra layers we can help put into place for them and voluntary self-exclusions is an important one. And again, they can start at different levels, one year, three year, five year, a lifetime. So, you know, those are when someone calls in, we'll give them that full list and we will walk them through any resource they want. Um, Amy and I have both helped someone complete the process. I mean, Mm -hmm. meaning someone that doesn't want to go back into the facility. We let them know exactly how they can do it through the mail um, so that they don't have to go into a facility, for example. So that's just another thing that we're more than happy to help people with. And I just think it's important for people to know that those supports exist. And especially where mobile sports wagering is now concerned that they can exclude themselves as well if they really, they can't stay within those responsible limits. Yeah. And I'll add to that. I think um, confidentiality is something that always gets brought up or maybe is a concern that's unspoken for folks. Um, So whether it's someone wanting to exclude from a gaming facility, wanting to get counseling, um, wanting, you know, any number of these tools or resources um, that Robin and I go through, all their information is confidential. 
So we're, we're not sharing their information with an employer, um, with, you know, uh, a significant other. I mean, really, it's their story. It's their information. We're not going to, we're not going to share it. So I just like to stress that. I know it's a concern um, for a lot of people that, you know, uh, I'm afraid to tell this person that, you know, I, I want, I want this level of support because, you know, people might find out and that's just not the case. It's, it's a confidential process. Getting counseling is confidential. So uh, I just think it's important to bring up because as, as you were saying before, Christina, with, um, you know, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, keeping that anon- anonymity and keeping that anonymous piece um, is really important for folks. And with all the shame and stigma with addiction, you know, it's understandable. Absolutely. Um, Okay, I'm going to take this over to Brandy. And I just want to ask you about the different outreach programs and um, things that you guys are are working towards. I think Robin kind of alluded to some things a few minutes ago. Yeah, so I think, you know, um, in terms of my role, you know, Amy and Robin are the ones that answer the calls that come into the resource center. And so it's my job to make sure that people know that those resources are available. So we do a lot of education in the community. And I think, you know, Kelly, speaking to what you were sharing earlier, you know, I was so pleased to hear you um, sharing the information, some of those effects that you have experienced as, as an as an affected other, because, you know, we talk about those things. We want community members to not only be able to recognize the warning signs as a, in an individual, but also be able to recognize, how, you know, what are some of the signs that a, a spouse or a significant other may be impacted by somebody's gambling behavior. And, the, and, you know, to support them through all of those phases, the denial phase, the stress, the exhaustion, the sense of helplessness that comes with that. Um, but more importantly, to let them know that there's hope and those resources are out there because, you know, I think, you know, we can all probably very easily recognize and, and name off places if somebody was struggling with an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, that those resources are, are pretty readily available and known in the community. But it's it's not always the case with gambling addiction. And it's not that those supports and services aren't out there. I mean, even just in the couple of years that we've been around our resource centers, you know, we've We've expanded our, our network of, of private practitioners. We're continually growing our, our network of supports that are available for, for loved ones and family members, um, you know, different types of support groups and online and telehealth. I mean, there's just so many different, and that's going to need to continue to evolve and expand, you know, to meet the needs. Um, so, so thank you for, for sharing that because I think that those, you know, those elements are so important for us to be able to get out there. So when we do trainings for individuals where we want people to know, you know, what are those warning signs that you can look for in a loved one? You know, are they becoming preoccupied with gambling? Is it taking over, you know, the, some of the things in their life that, you know, um, is, like I said, is it taking a priority? Are they, be, you know, are you noticing them feeling anxious or depressed or, uh, or worried, or even experiencing, you know, suicidal ideation um, due to their gambling behavior, um, and and also important to recognize that those those same emotions may be experienced by the affected other as well. You know, when you know when they discover, you know, when this hidden addiction kind of comes to a head, and like Amy and Robin both mentioned that, you know, oftentimes when folks are reaching out, it's typically at first it's that financial. Um, piece that people, you know, that's the the cause to get people to to reach out. But there's lots of other emotions that go along with that, and so it's so important for for people to be aware, you know. So that's that's kind of how I view my role. It's just 
making sure that people are aware of what those warning signs are and using the information that we get from callers. You know, I want to know where people are, uh, you know, how do they hear about us, you know, and I guess, you know, I'd, I'd love to pose a question. I'm not really the podcast host here, but I'd love to, you know, what is it that makes somebody, you know, how, how can we better reach, you know, someone as uh, an affected spouse or even just someone who's going through their own addiction themselves? You know, what is it that we can do? What's the message that's out there that's going to be the hook for you to be able to, to make it easy to make that call? Because I know I just got to get you to make that call because I know once you get connected with Amy and Robin on the other end, like, you know, your experience, Kelly, I, I, I know, it, it, yours isn't the only one that that's felt that way because we've heard lots of those stories and and for the folks that you know maybe they didn't make a good match in the beginning that you know for whatever reasons you know time or whatever it doesn't just stop there you know Amy and Robin will will find you the best match like that that just doesn't go away you know like you said like they'll follow up with you with those appointments and check in and those things are so important you know we we always say that you know we if this this was us you know, we, we want to provide a service that if it was our loved one, we want that same kind of level of care and understanding and, and active listening to happen. And, and that's what we strive for um, without a doubt. So I think that, you know, I would love to hear, you know, so that we can continue to reach those people. You know, we're on social media, we're, we're trying to do a variety of things, but for us, you know, how can we help someone? What is the message that, that stuck with you that, that resonated that we can put that out there? That is a very good question. (laughs) Um, I mean, the thing, honestly, me personally, you know, um, I was the person that started out with saying, well, I don't need a therapist. I'm fine. It it took, um, (laughs) it took my friend. I was, I, um, I leaned on one of my friends who was also in recovery, but for something completely different, you know, after telling her my story and she just heard the anxiety in my voice and she's like, okay, she's like, I'm going to say this with as much love in my heart. You need a therapist. (laughs) So, Um, you know, it was basically my husband had heard, um, about the national council, um, on one of his podcasts and that's really what made the call for me. Yeah. Um, cause then eventually I was like, okay, well, I guess maybe I'll try the whole therapy thing, you know? Um, cause I was just, I just felt like I was in such turmoil with my emotions and I was all over the place and I just did not know what to do. Um, you know, but the thing is it's, it's so hard because I feel like too, you know, the affected other, just like the person struggling with the addiction, you have to be ready to seek that help. If you're not ready to take in everything and to learn it's, it doesn't matter this. And this is just my opinion. This is, you know, um, to me, it doesn't matter how many, um, gamut on meetings you go to. It doesn't matter how much support you're getting, how much therapy, if you're not mentally there yet, it's going to really be a struggle. So you have to be ready to make that call. And I think it's great. I mean, the more and more you're out there, you know, through Facebook and through showing up on people's podcasts and stuff, I know that my husband, my husband does a podcast and, you know, at the end of his podcast, he'll say, let's not forget about our affected others. And, you know, he gives people the number to call the national council number. Um, So I really think just word of mouth and it's just a matter of the affected other being mentally ready to take that, that step. And because really it's hard because 
I think it's hard for a lot of people because they don't want to see it. I mean, like we were saying with the stigma, they don't want to be part of that or they don't want to admit that they're the person that they love, whether it's a, a child or a significant other, they don't want to see it as that they, this person has an addiction. So mm-hmm. you really have to be mentally prepared for all of that and all the changes, because really, if you're not open to it, it's not, it's not going to help. So it's no, I, I appreciate it's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think on my end on, you know, somebody who struggled for me, I think what's going to help. And this is why I do this podcast is talking, talking about it, getting the resources out there, letting people know that it's okay to seek help. Um, and that your world isn't going to implode if you do. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people keep them from getting help is the fear. Um, mm-hmm. I personally had such a relationship with my addiction that this is going to sound weird to somebody who hasn't struggled with addiction, but I felt more comfortable in the chaos of that addiction than I did thinking about the serenity of recovery. Uh, because that scared me more because I didn't know what to expect. The I chaos, say it's the unknown, right? Yeah. The fear of the unknown. It's very, very fearful. And it's just like, I think somebody said to me one time when I was interviewing and she's like, if I had a crystal ball to tell me what, stepping into recovery would look like, you know, then there wouldn't be an issue. And it's just like, I know, but it's, it's learning to be comfortable in that fear Mm -hmm. and, and then just working yourself through it. And that has been the biggest thing for me in my recovery is finding some comfort in the fear as weird as that is, because Mm -hmm. that gives me strength to just keep moving through it. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think the more that we talk about it for me, the goal is to to destigmatize, take the stigma away from this addiction. I know there's always going to be a certain amount of anonymity that needs to apply for people to be able to maintain their jobs and things like that. And if that's something that somebody needs, I will always protect that. Um, But I think sometimes it can, especially like in the online communities and stuff like that, it can kind of hinder recovery or, or getting the words out there for these resources because people are scared to talk about them. And so that's why for me, the biggest thing I think as a podcaster, as somebody who's putting their voice out there is to talk about the resources available um, and try and destigmatize as much as I can and, and help create a safe place for people to come to and, and share their stories. But also knowing that calling you guys is like, I mean, there's no judgment. Like it's calling a total stranger and telling them all your shit, all your deep, dark, crazy shit and not, not having to look them in the face and not, you know what I mean? And then having that voice on the other side, it's just like, okay, you know, what can I do to help? I will, you know, whatever we can do, let's, let's do it. Let's take this next step. And that, you know, and I say this a lot to be seen and heard for the first time when you've struggled with an addiction for so long, when you don't know who you are, um, people around you don't know who you are. Uh, that changes a person's life. And that's why I have mad respect for you guys. I'm a huge fan of the work you guys do because you are the person that gets that call when we are in our darkest moments and to be able to, to provide us help, to provide us resources, to just provide a friendly voice on the other end of the line. That's, that's just a huge, a huge thing. And it's, I know it's not easy. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you guys on here just to, to show that people that are listening, this is what you get when you call a helpline, you know, like you get people who care, who want to help you. 
And if you happen to call and don't have the best experience, call again. Yeah, because, you know, I, I completely agree, Christina. And, you know, we hope that people do call even, you know, if they're not sure if they're ready for help, but, you know, just want to see what's on the other end of the call um, and just get some information. You know, we hope people pick up the phone and don't hesitate. And I wanted just to kind of play off of what you just said. Um, I appreciate the work that you do because you're sharing that message of hope that, you know, recovery does sound kind of scary because it is the unknown, but look how awesome it can be, right? Look how great it can be not living in the chaos, you know, to, to have control of your life and your choices and what's, you know, for the most part, what's going to happen the next day, because, you know, you're finally at a point where, hey, you know, I'm paying my bills, I'm being responsible, I'm mentally, you know, in a better place, you know, I'm happy, I'm healthy, like, you're sharing such a wonderful story of recovery that people need to hear people need to see and hear about how good it can be. But it doesn't have to be chaos, even if that's comfortable. Um, it can be better. Yeah, absolutely. Thank it's, you for sharing it. It's learning to, to not need the chaos. Um, you know, and there's just, there's so much to go back to that chaos, you know, and it has a lot to do with like childhood trauma and things like that. I think, yeah. you know, that's a whole nother episode, but, um, I think even for somebody that's affected or somebody that's, that's struggling with addiction, um, what recovery brings to our lives, it doesn't guarantee that, that things are going to be perfect. I mean, nobody in life is guaranteed that whether you have an addiction or whether you don't, but even just in recovery, it's about building the tools for either an affected other or the addict, building the tools to deal with life, to deal with what comes next and not feel like we have to run, not feel like we have to escape. And so, yeah, that's the beautiful thing about recovery. And I think some people get discouraged because they think, oh, well, things will be perfect in recovery. And then the first real challenge they get, they're like, oh, I can't deal with this. So, you know, it's, it's just about learning to deal with it and learning to, to work through that. Christy, do you mind if I jump in? I, cause you said something that really, so there's something that I wanted to add to this because I think it's so important what you said, cause there are just so many layers, right. To just a human being in general, so many layers, and there's a genetic component to addiction without a doubt, but so many of the people that I know in my personal life and that I've connected with on the phone over the last three years, there is always something going on, right? Mental, a mental health issue. I mean, there are so many different ways people use a substance or gambling because they're just trying to manage anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, some of the bigger mental health issues really. And a lot of people, for a lot of people I've connected with, it's grief. They have lost a loved one. They lost their spouse suddenly. Now they're a single mom. Uh, they lost their mother who they loved and they used to gamble with their mother. So now they're finding themselves in the casino every day because they just wanted to be closer to their mom. And now it's gotten to be a problem really fast. So I think the important thing that we should share too, that we, we definitely do understand addiction. So we, we understand it from a few different perspectives. The counselors understand addiction. So I think it's just important to share that they're really going to work with the person to get to what all the root causes are. And like I said, for some of us, it really is a genetic component, but for other people, it's, it's something else. So it's like, it's unpacking and finding out what is going on 
So that's why, excuse me, we try to really hope that a person's ready to dive into all of that, or they're willing to look at that because, you know, there's, there's other ways to go about dealing with some of these things in life, right? There's, there's healthier ways. And so it's trying to help people get to that healthier place. And that can be a lot of hard work. And that's where you need a support system. You need people like us on the helpline. You need a recovery community. You need friends, you need family, and you need everyone coming together to help. Um, and I know for sometimes when a family member calls in, they call in with a lot of anger, yeah. you know, because they already have the responsibility of, let's say it's an affected other spouse. I'm, you know, pretty much running the whole household. I'm managing all the bills. I'm doing the majority of the childcare. I'm, you know, so they, they call in and they're angry. Like, I don't want to have to now work on recovery. I don't want to go talk to someone. This is hit their stuff. They should deal with it. You know, I'm already dealing with so much. I'm stretched too thin. So uh, it can be so overwhelming for someone. So it's, you know, we can start as small as it needs to be. Like just someone picking up the phone and calling us. That was a huge step. They already just did something that was huge in the right direction. And it might take them a year to get there because we've had people it's taken a year and they've called back in. Take as much time as you need. Just know that we're here and people will meet you. I know we always say it. We've said it way too much on this call, but we'll meet you where you're at truly. You know, it's no pressure. It's just, this is what's available. Take it when you're ready. Take this part, but not that part. It's, you know, just, it's going to look different for everybody. Um, but I think it's just important to know what the underlying causes are and to work through that with someone. It's, it can be hard to do all of that alone and scary. So we function in our dysfunction, right, Christina? I think that's what happens. We just get to a comfortable place because it might not be healthy for us, but that's where our comfort is. Mm-hmm. So it's, we've got to dial it back and let, we've got to support you in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And Robin, can you also let us know how people may contact you? Oh, absolutely. So uh, they can call us. Our number, it's uh, 518-801. 1491. Um, but they can also email us. So, oh my gosh, I might have to have one of my coworkers jump in. I don't email myself very often. What is our email? It <laughs> is so embarrassing. I can reach it because I type it all the time. It is northeastpgrc at nyproblemgambling.org. And we also have a website, which is nyproblemgamblinghelp.org. And Facebook too. We've had people reach out through Facebook messenger on our uh, Northeast problem gambling resource center page. So social media is a great resource. It really is. It's a great resource to get those things out there and, and, um, you know, show those numbers and things like that. Because I remember just in my years of gambling, the only place I ever saw that number was very tiny, very, very tiny on the door going in. Mm-hmm. And it was just like that. That's where I I got any information. I don't believe I ever stopped once to look at it. Um, and and I didn't even know about GA until I stepped into recovery, uh, which is is odd, I know. But when you're not identifying as an addict, and you don't hear stories of gambling addiction, it's hard to know that those things exist. And so, yeah, social media has been an amazing tool, especially since you know we're in the era of COVID. And, you know, a lot of these things have gone online. No, we're trying to use all of those platforms to the best of our ability without a doubt. Um, Because I think, again, you said something important. A lot of people don't know what's out there and it hasn't always been that easy to find. 
Uh, Brandy had mentioned where substance use disorder was concerned, it's a lot easier to find. So gambling has been hidden for a while. It's been kind of on the back burner. Uh, not as many people have been talking about it. So I'm so happy that we're starting to have way more um, conversations mm -hmm. and we're being included, you know, in the news. Well, mobile sports betting just launched, but let's make an important side of the story also that it could be harmful for some people. So this is where you can find help. Um, and so Brandy has done so many of those interviews in the last week and a half. Brandy, thank you so much. Such an important part of what we do. Um, so yeah, just if we can get these conversations out there in so many different, different forms, media, and just get the message out that we're here. People need to know. It's so true. And I think, you know, just, just to wrap it up, just one final thought for me is just that they're, you know, I, I always say whenever we do a training, it's like planting the seed, right? You, you know, if you've ever had a new car, right? You've never, you've never noticed that car maybe before on the road. And then all of a sudden you get it and it's like, oh my gosh, you see it everywhere. Right. And it wasn't that it wasn't there before. It just, you didn't notice it, you know, because you didn't know about it and now you do. And so that's kind of our hope whenever we're talking about this is just kind of planting that seed and making it so other people are comfortable talking and sharing. So thank you guys for the work that you do, because that is so important. That's the recovery piece. And that sense of hope is, is, just incredible. You know, we, we all have a piece in this. And so um, hopefully together we can continue to help those folks that need help and provide them with those supports. So thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Yeah. Um, I do have a question though. Um, I, you guys in an email told me about some awareness campaigns coming up. Is that something you guys can talk about? Well, not yet. Cause we're still building on it. Um, but Get ready because uh, it's going to be coming before March. Um, it's really a big buildup to Problem Gambling Awareness Month in March. Uh, we just want to really, you know, use the momentum of sports betting now being launched and everything else to just try to raise the bar that much higher for awareness or help for problem gambling. Um, so we have exciting things that are coming and they'll all be revealed in a month or so. <laughs> I know I'm so excited. And I'd love to invite yes. you both to attend our annual conference mm -hmm. for the New York Council on Problem Gambling. So that's coming up March 9th and 10th. I yep, hope I got the virtual. dates right. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> it will be virtual and we'd right. love for you to come. There's going to be uh, lots of great sessions. And um, leading up to the conference, there's going to be um, a GA meeting and a Gaminon meeting. So we'll, we'll definitely send that information to you. Oh, but wow. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I was part of the panel the last round. Uh, oh, wasn't that incredible? Yeah, the experience panel. Yeah. Um, well, I'll be I'll be reaching out again, ladies. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm on the speakers <laughs> committee, so I might be reaching out to you uh, because, again, I this part is so important. Um, hearing real Critical. stories is the most important part, I, in my opinion, of what we do because people we can we all connect to that. It's impactful. We all connect to it, Let's be honest. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it really, it resonates with people to hear, to hear real stories and to hear your perspective. These are our family members, really, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, everyone. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And um, I appreciate you guys taking the time out. I know that we took some of your time uh, not too long ago for the Bet Free Life with Brian. Um, and I just appreciate it everything you guys are doing and, and taking the time out of your personal day to come on here and chat with Kelly and I. 
Um, so for me, I, I really, well, appreciate we appreciate that. you. I'm so yeah. glad we could find a day. Me too. Yeah. And we just need to make it longer. Great. We always want to talk your ear off. We're always sad when it ends. <laughs> be like three hours later. Oh, we have to say bye. <laughs> so we can just talk all day long. <laughs> right. And be like, and part <laughs> three of the. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. And yeah. we enjoy okay. it as well. So thank you so much.